AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. There is one less Democrat in the Senate than there was yesterday. Well, sort of. USDA is getting ready to release the supply and demand report. Year-around availability of E15 is getting a close examination. And Mexico is delaying its ban on GMO corn. All that and a lot more on today's Free For All. Live from the always anticipated Ag Roundtable via Farm Journal broadcast of This Is AgriTalk. This morning, it's our Friday for Reefer Hall. Panelists Jim Wiesmeyer, Sean Haney, and yours truly chiming in from time to time. Right after the news, <laughs> Jennifer Scheich from Farm Journal's Pork. I'm handsome newsman Davis Michelson, and now the host of AgriTalk, Chip Flory. All right, Davis, thank you very much. Sounds like you may have had an adequate supply of coffee coming your way already this morning. I am fired up, you know, and I and I yeah. backed that up with an adequate supply of sleep. I had a little nap yesterday afternoon, went to bed early last night, slept a little late this morning. I what? feel fantastic. I feel, oh. honestly, seriously, I feel like I could fight a gorilla right now and probably do pretty well. <laughs> I could hold my own for a little bit. Hey, we're not wishing a gorilla any harm here. Absolutely Just- not. Just but he better saying. watch himself. He better watch himself if he comes to my neighborhood. I'm just saying. <laughs> All right. Well, you know what? I kind of hmm? feel the same way about a bear. If a bear come strolling up to the backyard right now. Attaboy. Attaboy. Yeah. Yeah, oh, Lord, if you can't help hands. me, at least don't help that bear. Right? Don't help that bar. <laughs> yep, yep. All right, man. Uh, we've got a lot of ground to cover on today's show. We do, uh, yes. Uh, Sean Haney, Real Agriculture, Real Ag Radio, also had uh, some very interesting conversations this week, one with uh, uh, Shapiro, and I mm-hmm. want to get into some of the thoughts that uh, that Haney had in that conversation. It was really a fascinating conversation, so I'm looking forward to that as well. Okay, um, let's get started. What do you got in the news? Well, these first two sort of go together um let's begin here agriculture secretary tom vilsack travels to alabama monday to announce the second round of investments of the partnerships for climate smart commodities funding the investment in projects nationwide will expand markets for climate smart commodities leverage the greenhouse gas benefits of climate smart commodity production and provide direct meaningful benefits to production agriculture that according to usda meanwhile Debate over priorities in the upcoming Farm Bill heats up. The influence of climate legislation is already hotly contested. On Wednesday, the House Republican Steering Committee elected Glenn G.T. Thompson as chairman of the House Committee on Agriculture for the 118th Congress. Now, looking ahead to the Farm Bill, Thompson was critical of the scapegoating agriculture has endured. In the name of climate change, he had this to say. We don't need a climate change title in the Farm Bill. And I'll be honest with you, what we need to do is give credit to the American ranchers, farmers, foresters for what they do. You know, for too long, there's been a bullseye right on the back of all these uh, these families that work so hard to provide us food and fiber. This says climate criminal. 
Chip, uh, wow. G.T. Thompson says there's been a target on the back of agriculture, and we've been labeled climate criminals. Yeah. Yeah. It, here, here's the deal with the climate smart farming programs, projects that are being mm-hmm. promoted from from USDA. I don't think anybody is all that against the development of the projects. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think that anybody is really against in in providing some financial incentive for the service being provided to cut by cutting the GHG emissions. It's the source of the funding that's got people like like uh, Glenn Thompson more than concerned and to hear him say that it does not belong in the farm bill that is very yeah. interesting because the the idea was that maybe maybe there would be a movement to bring that from USDA into the farm bill as some sort of a permanent program we'll talk to Jim about that We'll check the American Farm Bureau Federation and more than 350 other food and farm organizations sent a ledger urging sent a letter urging the Senate to pass legislation to address the nation's ag workforce challenges this year. AFBF says meaningful reforms to the federal government's guest worker program must be a priority for Congress by the end of the year. Tick tock, tick tock on that one. Yeah, yeah no prospect- doubt. We'll, yeah. we'll get an update from Jim on on his thoughts there too. The prospect of permanent nationwide availability of E15 moves closer with new House legislation, according to the RFA. President and CEO Jeff Cooper says the legislation will, quote, finally remove a burdensome and nonsensical barrier to the broader deployment of cleaner, more affordable fuels. Specifically, the legislation would harmonize fuel volatility regs for ethanol blended fuels across the country, allowing for year-round sale of E15. Chip, USDA numbers show fuel and fertilizer prices increased by roughly 50% this year, with that rate being much higher in early 2022. Brittany Hurst Marchant, executive director of the Idaho Wheat Commission, is not optimistic that input costs will come down in the new year. Inflation is still high. Uh, prices are still high. There's still a lot of volatility around the world, especially out of the Black Sea region. We are still struggling with supply chain issues from the pandemic so i don't see those input costs going down in 2023 chip let me go lightning round here to get it all in saudi arabia and china struck a strategic partnership inflation in china slowed sharply in november and arizona senator kirsten cinema is leaving the democratic party chip yes all right becoming an independent a registered independent thank you so much davis let's bring in jennifer shike the editor of farm journals pork good morning jennifer good morning All right. So you were at the Midwest Pork Conference this week. What did you learn? Well, I had a great time there this week. That was my first time to attend. And it kicked off with a really interesting presentation by Jason Lusk talking about food price inflation and Mm -hmm. and how we're in uncharted territory. But it's certainly very unusual what we're experiencing in the economy now. So that was all good. And there's a great story on porkbusiness.com about that. But one of the things that caught my attention was his discussion on plant-based meat alternatives. Okay. And uh, it's interesting. He, he brought up a good point. There's not a lot of chatter going on about him right now. And so he posed the question, is the hype over? Yeah. Well, you know, and, and the, the chatter about plant-based was replaced for a at least a a moment by the talk of the of the lab or cultured meat 
mm-hmm. and and so that was that took over for a while as well. I don't know. What are your thoughts? It, it, there, there are plenty of people that thought that uh, the plant-based meats would be a fad rather than a trend, and it looks that way, doesn't it? Well, it really does. I mean, there's just not a lot. They have a this new uh, meat sentiment dashboard that tracks like what people are talking about online. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to alt meat, they're not saying a lot. And when they do, it's generally a negative net sentiment. So, you know, I think it shows. And then meanwhile, we're seeing the demand for animal proteins shooting up and especially you know we're having a good story in the pork industry and so you know i don't i really don't think it's going to to be something we need to be too worried about but he did caution livestock producers not to stop paying attention to competitive threats because there's a lot of people out there pushing against uh and pushing for i guess i should say more plant-based diets and so something new is probably going to show up but just keep producing good uh good pork Absolutely. Good stuff, Jennifer. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you again. Thank you. All right. Jennifer Scheich, Farm Journal's Pork. We've got the free-for-all coming your way. Wiesmeyer, Haney, Michelson, and me. Next. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. AgriTalk is brought to you by Ethos XP Insecticide Fungicide from FMC. Get serious seedling defense to defend against the toughest early season pests and diseases. Choose Ethos XB Insecticide Fungicide or App Plant Defense. Well, that's a little low key for us this morning, I think. Let's get this thing going. Huh? Fire All right, up now, welcome Flory. back to AgriTalk. I'm Chip Flory. We've got the free-for-all first contestant on today's free-for-all, Davis Michelson. Davis. Fire it up now, Flory. Fire it up. All right. Let's go, man. Pro-Farmer Policy Analyst Jim Wiesmeyer. Good morning, Jim. Good morning from Austin, Texas at the Rice Growers Annual Meeting. All right. Um, You know what? When I talked with a ranking member of the Senate Ag Committee, John Bozeman, earlier this week, I asked him about the potential for some of the uh, uh, some of the uh, rice, some sort of a disaster payment coming their way. He said he's sure working on it. Uh, doesn't have didn't have anything concrete to report yet, but it, but is working on it very hard. Well, they need it because they've had lower acres for the last two years as a result of other competing crops, Chip, and they were really hurt with those fertilizer price rises. Uh, and also, they didn't have the price bump that corn and soybeans and other right. commodities had. 
Yep, yep. That's the exact point that uh, Senator Bozeman made when you he said, "Look at the price of uh, the a price chart for rice and a price chart for corn, and you can see a whole lot of difference in in those two markets," which is absolutely true. Okay, Sean Haney, Real Agriculture, Real Ag Radio. Good morning, Sean. A morning, Chip. I, I like this game show theme. I, I want to say hi to my parents out there. Yeah, we're, we're ready to play. <laughs> Excellent. Outstanding. Outstanding. All right. Uh, let's uh, let's dive in and it, let's go straight to one of the headlines from this morning. And, and Jim, that is Senator Cinema making a move away from the Democrat Party. Registered as an independent, she's going to caucus with the Democrats. But it does it, is this a, a big deal or not for the Senate? Well, it's it's a protective move, Chip, for her because she knows she's going to be challenged in 2024. She's up for re-election. I, I think it would have been more interesting had she said she was going to caucus with the Republicans, because uh, that would have, uh, you know, put it back yeah. to 50 50 ratio next year. So uh, I, I think it was a smart move by her because uh, she could win as an independent. Okay. Yeah. yeah she's Arizona, worried about it's Gallego, right? Gallego is the, who her primary challenge that she's, she's worried about. Like one of the things that stuck out to me is that a lot of on the, on the Democrat side, you know, they're making her sound like she's, you know, been the hold up on almost everything and is, you know, somewhat, you know, the enemy. And I, I read this morning that she she voted with Biden 93 percent of the time. Yeah. Now, that seven percent gap might be some key, key things that are create some recency bias, but it, it's not like she's been out on an island on everything. Yeah, right. she is of the ilk that more senators should be. She's fair-minded and practical. Yeah, um, I, I'm. I'm not going to argue with that. And the the changing political environment in Arizona, I, I think her move probably reflects most of her constituents, doesn't it, Jim? Well, uh, enough to probably get victory. You know, there are still you saw that uh, uh, Arizona is still a leaning uh, you know, Democratic state right now, although uh, if she enters that ring, like if she entered it as a Republican, I think she would win it for sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's the 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 attitude that I'm picking up there as well. What does this mean for Manchin? Oh, I think Manchin either won't run or if he does, remember, Trump won that state by 39 points. So yeah. he's uh, he's he's mad at the Republicans now because they they won't uh, you know give him that permitting uh, language right. that he wants, Chip. And he's going to be challenged by a power for, for a couple powerful Republicans in his state. So I, I think that you, you've seen the last of Manchin myself. I liked his wow. quote. I thought they oh would get gosh. over it by now. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> what he was, he says, it's his quote was, it's become personal. The Republicans are so mad at me because we passed the Inflation Reduction Act. And then he said, he told the National Press Club, I thought they would get over it. <laughs> Jim, Jim, you had to about fall off your chair when you read that. 
Uh, yeah, because that tells you he has no long-term vision depth. That's right. why I call him sometimes centrist mansion. It, right. He's uh, really in a chart term. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, but it, it, it does speak to, on one hand, though, too, like I, I saw in your update, Jim, all the, the hang-ups on some of the appointments and how um, people's names are being held and some of those uh, appointments aren't happening because of uh, personal, I don't know if they're vendettas, but there's some pettiness involved. And so when pettiness mm -hmm. works its way into politics and politics can be petty, I'm not going to be naive about it, but right. it, it's not that it's not exactly productive either. Um, right. I, I'm yeah. I, no, it, but, the, but these holds are on two trade officials, one from USTR, one from USDA that is needed. Uh, I, if they follow history, Congress, if they follow history, they uh, at the 11th hour uh, before they go home for Christmas, they'll uh, they'll lift those holds and they will be approved. So now it's noise. Pretty soon you're going to get the signal. Well, it does make me question, you know, is this the most productive, efficient way to for these appointments to actually happen? Like, is there a better way? Is is this the just the way we've done it? And that's the way it is uh, going back in history from a time that, you know, it doesn't really exist today. Uh, I, I, I kind of scratch my head about the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, they should have a vote. There should not be a holds on anyone. I don't care who the president is or who the leaders are. An administration should get the officials that they want, unless there's a major negative development, and then yeah. vote them down. Yeah, 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 exactly. I mean, everybody's got to be vetted. We get that, but and the holds that are on, in place right now, uh, just so that people are aware of it, Senator Dan Sullivan from a Republican from Alaska. Basically has a disagreement with USDA Secretary Tom Vilsack over USDA's plans to end logging in the Tongass National Forest. Uh, so he's put a hold on the Undersecretary for Food Safety, the Assistant Secretary for Civil Rights, and the Undersecretary for Trade and Foreign Agricultural Services. That's the one that I look at and say, how do we not have an undersecretary for trade and foreign ag services at USDA right now? Well, we hadn't had one for, for a while, Chip. A couple anyway. of years. So, yeah. yeah, a couple of years. So, but, but it, now that we, now trade policy is going to be uh, emphasized next year as Brazil starts selling China more corn. We need to get a trade agreement with the United yeah. Kingdom. That would be good for U.S. feed grain producers. Uh, so uh, you, you need trade officials focusing on that. That's why these nominees are very important. Yeah, but there's a time period in any job, and especially that one, where there's a there's like you just don't start day one and be like, here's what we're doing. Like there's some like it takes time to get fully up to speed. And and so you say you have the appointment in February because it's a big priority in 2023. When does that person actually become effective and get some of those things accomplished that you're talking yeah. about, Jim? Yeah. It's not yeah, immediate. This is why Congress has a much lower approval rating than our president. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's that's probably accurate. No doubt. Um, OK, you, you talked about some of the the trade issues going on out there around the world right now, Jim. What is this with the EU 
agreeing to a law that will prevent imports of goods linked to deforestation. I, I see that, and I'm thinking Brazil's corn export program that it is building up, the beef export program, all of those things could be threatened at least on moving product into Europe by this law, couldn't it? Yeah, uh, this is Europe being Europe, Chip. Yeah, yeah they're building yeah. protectionist walls. I don't think there's any other way to characterize it. It's another step. Okay. Well, and it's just, you know, you look at what's going on in the Netherlands and, and getting rid of uh, 3,000 farms is, is their answer to how to reduce nitrogen runoff. How are these people going to feed themselves? Yeah, but they don't. They don't ask that question enough. The, the, like when you make policy based on an ideology or not, we've talked a lot about on this show. But unintended consequences. If you ignore those sorts of things, and, and then they wonder when you know why are these Dutch farmers protesting? Why like why are they so upset? Um, it it's it, it, it's a it, this is going to be a become more prevalent in 2023 uh, in Europe and beyond. Uh, where these policies are not congruent with reality. Wow. Wow. Okay. Well, we're going to be dealing with one of those issues and are attempting to deal with an ideology. I am not even going to try to say it again. Ideological chip. Thank you. Issue with Mexico and GMO corn. We'll cover it next. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. Time for Markets Now with the experts from ProFarmer. ProFarmer editor Brian Grady joins us. Beej, we are a half an hour away from the release of the December supply and demand report from USDA. How are the markets getting ready for that? Uh, just some pre-report positioning, Chip. Uh, so corn's trading to the upside. Uh, you know, decent gains here to, to close out the week. Uh, soybeans, they've been under a little bit of uh, corrective selling pressure, but uh, starting to tick up a little bit here again. The meal market, uh, new contract highs, so it, it just mm-hmm. continues to charge higher on, on support from uh, Argentine crop uh, concerns there. And, and then the wheat market uh, uh, can't find its footing, and, and uh, we had some uh, corrective gains yesterday, but uh, the sellers are back out here in the uh, yeah. wheat market to finish out. It, do, it doesn't take much for the sellers to come back into this wheat market right now. Multi-month lows, and uh, it, it seems to still be pointed down until we can find some demand, right? Absolutely. And, and uh, you know, we, we aren't going to find that demand in this morning's reports. In all likelihood, USDA right. is going to cut its export forecast. So uh, that, that market, like you said, is still searching for a bottom. 
Yep, no doubt. All right, take us over to the livestock trade. We've got some strength in live cattle. Yeah, a little bit more activity there and, and moderate gains. Uh, so some of the price pressure earlier in the week, you know, tied to the, the disappointing cash trade this week, but uh, uh, probably a little bit on the surprising side, given that uh, the cash should trend higher as we move through 2023. And uh, so we're seeing some buyer interest there on the corrective side. Uh, pretty quiet, to be honest with you, with everything uh, to finish up the week in, in both the feeder cattle market and in lean hog futures. Uh, both of those are mi- uh, mixed here at mid-morning. All right. Well, stay tuned. We've got the report coming up in uh, less than a half an hour now. Thanks, Brian. That is Pro Farmer Editor Brian Grady with Free For Alls. Back in a minute. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. The best talkers in ag, including you. Join the conversation on AgriTalk. Call us at 855-4-TALK-AG. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Chip. Glad that you are with us this morning. We've got the free-for-all going. Davis Michelson, Jim Wiesmeyer, Sean Haney. Uh, okay, so at the end of the last segment, we were talking about some of the aspirational issues that may be driving uh, some policy decisions out there. Now it looks like Mexico is looking to rework its ban on GMO corn. Jim, what's the latest? Well, AMLO, their president, Chip, has taken a rule from the uh, Congress in Washington. Rather than solve problems, they want to study them. So he's going to take the next two years to study any negative impacts of uh, using GMO corn. We already know the answer to that. It's uh, no impact, okay? But so this is just a screwy uh, issue to me. I just, uh, it's eventually going to go away because if it doesn't, this is an easy win for the U.S. and other countries in the U.S. MCA because there's no scientific evidence. Right. Like, (laughs) The silliness of just hearing I'm laughing as you're saying that, Jim, in terms of like, I don't know, we need to reconsider. I think what we need to do is we need to study the issue and then we'll have a better (laughs) idea if GMO corn is actually safe. Like, what are we doing? Like, talk about just trying to position something to try to negotiate for something. I I don't know what the long game is in terms of what actually if it's just domestic politics or he wants something else out of the U.S. Not really sure, but it, it just looks so foolish. It really does. Uh, it, it, this is this is a growth issue for Mexico and 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 agriculture in Mexico. You take out it because it was some of the comments earlier in the week on the coverage of this, Jim. That I always thought, no, I can't include number two yellow corn out of the U.S. that's used for animal feed. But it, it, it the coverage that I saw earlier this week certainly suggests that it does include number two yellow corn out of the U.S. that would be going to the feed mills. Um, It would be devastating to animal agriculture in Mexico if if this was put forward. It just it blows me away. Yeah, yeah, 18 we 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 sell Mexico 18 million tons of corn. 18 to 20% is white or food corn. Uh but right. yeah, this is just it just doesn't make sense. So I want AMLO to go am high on this one. 
There you go. <laughs> well, and, it, and it's a dangerous game when you when you use something like this as 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 a trade prop and you yep. build distrust distrust amongst your own citizens when it comes to something like science. Then you wonder later on as he tries to you know tell the farmers, you know, hey, we could we could really, really uh, find uh, more productivity and things like that when it comes to growing some of these own crops domestically in Mexico. People are like, well, what do you mean? Like you were telling yeah. us it wasn't good. It wasn't safe. And, you know, China's right. played that game and it's it's yes. backfired. Yeah, that is absolutely right. China has played this game. Europe has played the game. Um, it, it's just, uh, yeah, it, the, the whole concept just blows my mind. Okay, let's go back to the comments from Jennifer Scheich and the little give and take that I had with Jennifer about plant-based uh, meat products. Jim, what's your take on this? I've talked to enough people now, Chip, that I think the key that why it's peaked out and it 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 relative, as you said, it's a fad. Uh, people started reading all the chemicals that they've used yeah. in the products uh, to make them maybe taste like the good old uh, product that we know, beef, pork, et cetera. So I, I think that, that that's the key reason why. I, I I think that's exactly it as well. You know, they keep looking for the, the, you know what? And I think there's another thing that's happening, guys. I think consumers who have been asking for quite some time to get a better understanding of where their food comes from. And, and I've talked to enough of those consumers to know that their desire to better understand it is real. The mess, the the conversation with farmers and with those involved in animal agriculture, I think is working. I I, th I think that consumers are growing more confident that the, that uh, uh, livestock producers really do care for the the health and the well being of those animals while they are his responsibility his or her responsibility. So I think yeah. that message is, is coming through, isn't it guys? Well, but Chip, okay. That, that I think that's true, but let's remember too, when we talk about where food comes from, much of the ingredients that's going into a plant-based burger is, you know, chickpeas, it's field peas. Those, those are also grown in, in countries like Canada, the U S it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's a different option. So I, I think yeah. the overplay here is more, the plant-based meat companies have focused a lot on we're going to save the planet and, and climate change being a part of the marketing proposition in, in, instead of maybe what some of the, you know, competing directly on some of the, the health benefits and some of like that compared to some of the red meat competitors. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, it's about protein. And if there's nothing wrong, the industry needs to figure out, instead of being adversarial, needs to figure out, okay, you can have a steak, that the you know the, the farmers taking a lot of pride in producing that beef, and you can also have a side plate of uh, maybe a, a lentil salad that also maybe was grown in a state like Montana yep. or North Dakota, and you, you're you're getting a very very good a uh, lot of uh, yeah. the macros that you're searching for. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. That that's interesting take. I like it. The other like thing it. is coming out coming out of COVID. Um, everybody's. A lot of people, I think, are sort of refocused on their, their general health. I was researching what's the healthiest peanut butter, actually, yesterday. I love peanut butter, but I also want to be healthy. Uh, the word is, 
when you're looking at foods, number one, uh, eat foods that are, you know, that look like what it is. Here's a, here's a chunk of broccoli. That's very healthy. If you're looking at peanut butter, look for the fewest amount of ingredients. If you can't pronounce it, maybe you shouldn't eat it. And I think some of that's getting into this as well. Yeah. Well, I, I, Jack, I saw Jack Bobo last week present at a conference I was at in Ottawa, uh, Ontario. And he, he had some examples he put up on the screen in terms of like, you know, people like if you can't pronounce the ingredients, don't eat it. Yeah. And uh, he, he gave some examples of, of things like broccoli and some of the natural chemicals that yeah. are in all the fruits and vegetables we eat. And so if you if you <laughs> well, there is buy based on the premise, it's like you're totally misleading yourself. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. If, if you're looking at the ingredients in broccoli, you, you probably just better look at broccoli. Mm-hmm. Don't look at the actual ingredients in well, broccoli. Photosynthesis. You can't, yeah, you can't pronounce <laughs> any of it. <laughs> is the bottom line. So wow. Just oh. put honey, just put honey on anything, it'll make it healthier. <laughs> See, you know, I, I, I prefer uh it's, I prefer agave to honey. It's delicious. It's a lovely alternative. Wow. Also delicious. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Frank's hot sauce. That's where I'm at. <laughs> there you go. That you can there pronounce. You go. <laughs> i don't know who frank is but i trust him immensely he seems that's like a good right. guy that's right that is exactly right okay so uh, jim what did you make of um glenn thompson's comments about climate change not uh, climate change policies not making their way into the farm bill several comments one i think he's right to the climate uh Proponents really, Chip, want to get a baseline established for the farm bill. That's their key reason why. Okay. Okay. They they don't have a baseline right now. And Thompson is correct because they want to fund try new funding for other things, Title I, crop insurance, et cetera. So this may get in the way. And I think his other reason is because he doesn't like the way Vilsack tapped. The CCC Charter Act, right. Commodity Credit Corporation uh, Charter Act, for what a little over three billion dollars. So that's uh, that. That's not. I think he, he realizes within the confines of that Charter Act. Well, and I like right. what what Thompson said when he referenced the gains that farmers, the things that farmers are already doing. We have talked about this a lot. I talked to Dwayne Faber uh, and Ken McCauley on the free on the uh, Farmer Forum on Wednesday, and Faber brought up, you know, hey, look, you put. You lean too hard into these regulations. Now what the farmer's best play is is to dump out of a bunch of this stuff so that he can capitalize on the gains of reintroducing these long-held practices back into his farm. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, that's why you should have a legacy payment. You should have a legacy payment. Agreed. Yep. I've I've been trying to float the idea of some sort of a Pied Piper payment, too. Where if uh, if someone that is established in these climate smart farming practices, yeah, those were air quotes that you heard me putting up too. Um, if, if they do have followers that are learning from them, maybe there should be some sort of compensation for that as as well. And as far as the funding goes. Jim, I had a conversation with Greg Ibaugh, um th- earlier this week and saw him at the FBN Farmer to Farmer event over in Omaha. And he first acknowledged that, listen, 
the Trump administration, uh, USDA, made use of the CCC funds and drew criticism from Democrats on using those funds. He said, I'm not just doing, you know, turnabout is fair play on this, but using the CCC funds for the climate smart farming efforts that are coming out of USDA probably isn't an appropriate use of those CCC funds. So, you know, fair comment. Yeah, yeah, fair comment. All right, very good. Okay, now, when we come back, I want to get a, well, number one, we got to talk about the scrutiny that year-around availability of E15 is getting right now. And let's get a report on Haney's interview with Jacob Shapiro. That's coming up next. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. AgriTalk is brought to you by the Conservation at Work video series. Farmer to Farmer, the Conservation at Work video series features real stories, real successes, real quick. See what's possible at farmers.gov slash conservation. All right, welcome back to AgriTalk and the, the, I was going to call it the Farmer Forum, the free-for-all. Uh, we've got Davis Michelson, Pro Farmer yep. Policy Analyst, Jim Wiesmeyer, and we've got Sean Haney, Real Agriculture, Real Ag Radio. We're going to get right back to it as soon as we take this trip into yields from the field. Yields in the Fields on AgriTalk is brought to you by Microessentials from Mosaic, the science of more. Discover our proven products. Text YIELDS to 31313. Chip, we're going to head out to wheat country today. A grower okay. showing just a little frustration. Quote, I'm one breakdown away from driving this tractor into a ditch and leaving it. <laughs> End quote. Yields in the Fields is brought to you by Micro Essentials <laughs> from Mosaic. Chip. Yeah, some of the thoughts that grow through your mind during harvest. <laughs> yeah. Yep. All right, let's get back to the free-for-all. Jim. Uh, the Office of Information and Regulatory Affairs is taking a look at year-round availability of E15. What's going on? Well, that's at least eight governors have requested that, Chip, and I think that's another indication showing that this issue has momentum. Uh, you, you saw the legislation earlier that uh, API, uh, you know, supported on, on year-round E15, so I think it's time has come. Okay. All right. Um, you know, earlier this week, I, I said something about watch out. We're probably going to see 
87 octane E15 available at uh, at the gas pumps be, because refiners will use year-round availability of E15 as, as a way to save money on their refining costs. Well, on Wednesday, on Wednesday, driving home, I stopped in uh, Des Moines to fill up, and sure enough, there was the 87 octane E15, which is typically marketed as an 88 octane. So it is a higher ethanol blend, higher octane, and a lower price. That's been part of the appeal of that product. If it's back at an 87 octane, you know, we talk about, you know, year-round availability is not uh, replacing E10 as the standard. But if given the opportunity, because of the savings on the refining costs, it may become the standard of a standard blend out there, guys. It it could happen. Haney? And that's, and that's why API supports it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Follow the dollar. Yeah. And how much how much of a is there any sort of a tech change that has to happen if if that you know if at the pump side at the retail no. or just basically load the tank with E15. Load it with E15. Yeah. That's yeah. that's the bottom line and uh 2001 or newer vehicles it is safe to use it. So it's uh we're going to have to watch the development and and the progress on this one very closely because it could be a bigger deal than than what I thought it might be just simply because if if the refiners make it the standard offering boy that that does change the change the outlook there for sure jim big still a a negative reaction from the bio-based deal uh, bio-based diesel groups uh to the proposed rvos well it it was their i guess expectations that the renewable diesel part of the advanced biofuels was going to be so much higher and you know i think there was some shifty information being used by epa they used february data on capacity chip where uh they had august data was available that showed 2.0 billion gallon capacity whereas they used 1.5 billion gallons so i think that there should be a push to revise those levels higher uh you know once they hit the deadline uh you know uh in uh in the summer of next year yeah you know the rvos i don't believe are expected to be or shouldn't be taken as predictive of use going forward it is a minimum market minimum market availability to those products the predictive side of this i think we will find come february in the annual uh the the annual ag outlook uh forum for for at usda when we get that first look at the 2324 the first unofficial look at the 2324 okay I, i i we need to move on Haney, your interview with Jacob Shapiro was was really really good. Tell us about it. Yeah, so one of the things that I like Shapiro because he he doesn't necessarily follow the track of of a lot of people. He can he, he can be contrarian and also admit when he doesn't get stuff right. But he he did talk about China. He does not see China invading Taiwan, but he does talk about how although he feels President Xi will not change in behavior post Congress. 
he does see she facing a lot of adversity. One of them is COVID and how they transition out of this zero COVID policy because he can't just switch and say, oh, by the way, you can now leave your house and don't worry about COVID because people are going to ask themselves, what the heck have you been making us do for the past three years? Right. And it could actually spawn more uprising and more protesting. And from an economic standpoint, he talked a lot about the real estate crisis and how much of the middle class in China is invested in real estate. And if that goes sideways in 23, even more, what that could mean for demand going forward. It's, it's a cautionary tale here for agriculture. And it's looking ahead. The, 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 I didn't realize that that's where the middle class stored their wealth. Yeah. In, yeah. He, in, he, in China. Yeah. Exactly. But it is. Yeah. Well, and it, it is like this is the thing. Like we, uh, when you talk to analysts, and I know you do this all the time, Chip. It is about demand. We have big yep. twenty-three questions on demand for these commodities. Yep, no doubt about it. No doubt. Okay, we are coming up on top of the hour when we get the report from USDA. Obviously, it's uh, the the expectations of getting much market moving info out of this report is low uh but hey you never know when it comes to usda and some of the the uh expectations on the usage side of the balance sheet so be watching that closely guys thank you so much for being here again this morning uh jim weissmeyer pro farmer policy analyst we'll talk to you uh actually i won't talk to you next week it'll be a couple of weeks before i talk to you all right all right all right sean haney thanks buddy all the best everybody cheers All right, Davis, stick around. Uh, We'll talk to you again this afternoon. Affirmative. All right, we've got John Payne with us this afternoon as well.